everybody, and once again, welcome from our living room. We're thankful that you're here. We always are. And we pray that uh, every time that you tune in, that there's something that is said here, not because of my skill or anything like that. We won't even talk about that. But what we do have is great confidence in the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that, that works in this world and in our, the lives of believers and is constantly encouraging us and teaching us. And so I pray that that's what takes place when you, when you take your time to tune into these YouTube videos. Um, if you've been with us, you know that there's been a question posed for the last 10 weeks now, and it is, what is the church? Um, today we're going to move into the second half of chapter 2 of the book of Titus. And it's going to be a church, the church is a people that are His very own, God's very own. And since we've been here for some time, I kind of wanted to do just a, a quick recap of, of really where uh, we've been so far in this, in this small letter. Now we know, I always want to clarify that while this was written by the pen of the Apostle Paul, we know that it is God's Word. Um, just as God teaches you or me when we're uh, listening to a message or uh, tuning into a YouTube video, we are being taught and moved by God's hand. And that's exactly what took place here. Paul wrote, moved by God's hand, to his young protege Titus, um, who we are told in chapter 1 that he was left on the Greek island of, of Crete um, to, let, to, to finish what was left undone in the church there. And so Paul then goes on to describe um, what the leadership should look like, um, what the teaching should look like, even the relational uh, um, context of a church, what that should look like. And, and, I, and through that, I've learned a lot, and I think there's been some really... Well, of course, it's God's Word, so there has been some really powerful, important things that have been learned along the way. But today, as we move in then to the second half of chapter 2, as I said, uh, Paul is going to make a, a shift. Because we know that in the beginning, we have a focus scripture that we've used for weeks now. Uh, in the beginning of this, Paul is saying, so the whole reason why we do the things that we do is that so that in every way we will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive, the church as a whole. Um, we will do our work, we will do our job in order to make the teaching about God our Savior attractive, to make Jesus look more, to look just as beautiful as He truly is, that we don't get in the way of a watching world um, seeing something that is diminished um, and something that is less than the, the absolute splendor of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today I want to start just by reading that passage. Uh, if, if you have your Bibles open, and I hope you do, I, you know, I always know that I, I've probably stumbled onto an important passage when I start writing more notes and more notes and more notes. And so if you could see my pages are just full today. And so we are going to visit a lot of uh, scriptures I'm going to refer to today. And so what, what, what you could do is um, attached to this YouTube video below is, is, is the outline. And so it will have all the, hopefully have all the scriptures that I mentioned on there. So you could always go back and uh, revisit it. And I hope you do because it's not the power of any man speaking, but it's most certainly the power of God speaking to you through his word. So let's see what, what is written down today, uh, beginning in verse number 11, chapter 2 of Titus. This is what the word of the Lord says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and world passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age 
while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So, for the grace of God, in verse number 11, the, for the grace of God has appeared, it says. So, what happens here that with this, I want to look at a couple different words, and first and foremost, the word appearing, that is the revelation of God's grace appearing on the scene of the worldwide stage. And just to cut to the short, that is Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, grace has been um, moving us in Scripture from the very beginning. God's building this earth, um, extending grace to undeserving men. But the, for the grace of God, that word for is a transition word that ties the reasoning of Paul or the teaching of Paul, or God, in the first part of Titus, uh, where we are learning all these different things on how the church should look and how the church should operate, how the church should teach and lead and all the things. Um, but now it is a switch from that into how the church does it. Why the church does it. And it has everything to do not with our efforts, not with our production, not with our, um, regardless of us setting up any kind of rules or regulations, even what Paul is, is pointing out in the first part of Titus. Sometimes we take those things and we write them down as a list of to-dos. And none of that is accurate. And Paul is, is quick now to correct that thinking that might be just a natural uh, um, transition from us. When we read these things, we say, I have to do these things. But Paul says, but let's understand why we're really doing it. It is the grace of God in our lives. It's not that we set our minds to be better and kinder people but it is a supernatural event that God has ordained in the lives of people. We are born again and we are set on specific paths to do good works. We look like the church, not because we are better or we work harder or that we're smarter or more talented, but because God's grace has been revealed to us Sinners all. That word grace, the very definition of it says, undeserved favor of God. How true is that? So there's a separation between the understanding of the revelation word, the general revelation that the scripture talks about is in, is in nature all around us. Um, God's grace is, is, uh, is a general revelation to the whole world because without His presence and holding this world together, it would be gone. It never would have existed without God's desire to have it here. That's general revelation that all mankind, Ro Romans says that if they ignore that, then they've ignored God completely. They've never desired Him. But then much more important, the separation that Paul is talking here is a specific revelation. John chapter 1 that says clearly that Jesus Christ was God incarnate. Verse 14 of that chapter says that He came full of grace and He came full of truth. 
John chapter 3 then says that we must be born again in the relationship that is not some sort of a head knowledge agreement that yes, there is a God, but no, it is a heartfelt knowledge of transformation that says Jesus Christ is the very grace of God and He's walked the face of this earth. Knowing God in that type of way is what brings the psalm writer, or excuse me, the, the hymn writer to say amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. This sentiment, this understanding of God's grace and what it does in the lives of individuals, Paul does a Paul writes about it in in Second Timothy, or excuse me. 1 Timothy, when he was writing to another young protege of his, and this is what he has to say. Here's a trustworthy, and this is verse 15 of chapter 1 of 1 Timothy. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus, grace of God, has been revealed. He came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience, grace, as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. God comes in the lives of people like Paul and most certainly me, people who did not deserve anything, but really eternal damnation. And for nothing that we've done, He comes in and gives us His grace. And because of that, we've experienced this life-altering event that changes us from that point forward in dramatic and personal ways. This understanding of grace is just a huge study from the very beginning of God's Word in Genesis. And it runs all the way through until the end of Revelation. And so it's not something that we can talk about in a few minutes on, on, on a certain message, but it's something that I just encourage you to study that understanding of what is God's grace in this world and what does it truly mean to me. But if we look at it today in just this short, concise passage that God created in, in Titus, I, I think it, does, it gets us pointed in the right direction. Because if we've experienced the revelation of God's grace in our lives, I believe in these next four, four verses, it, it, it shows up in, in uh, four different ways. If we've experienced the revelation of God's grace in our life, then there will be certainly in the lives of all believers a demonstration of God's grace, an anticipation of God's grace, and an identification of God's grace, and a proclamation of God's grace. So in the short time that we have, well, let's, let's look at those. And, and verse number 12 says, It is the grace of God and it teaches us. It teaches us. If we've experienced the revelation, now we have the demonstration of God's grace in our life because it teaches us. It moves us completely from who we were into who God desires us to be. And so this understanding that if we have truly experienced God's grace, we can't stay who we were because God's grace makes demands in our lives for change. And it's not just a portion of my church life, but it is all-encompassing. And so I'm changed ethically and morally and socially and relationally. 
All the things about what Paul wrote about, this is what the church looks like, those things happen, but not under my desire to be a better person, but because the grace of God teaches me, and so it is demonstrated in my life. Those who have experienced God's grace through Jesus Christ are most certainly much, much different than they were, but folks, you need to know it is an ongoing change that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. We don't muscle our way through. We don't go to some learned teacher or any of those kind of things and say, how do I get there? But we let the Holy Spirit lead us in our lives. We're not suddenly perfect at all. But the grace of God is forgiving once and for always. And so with the patience of God is using sinners just like me, to proclaim the understanding. The gospel of grace is a life-altering experience to me as it teaches me. But because of that, the world sees us and through us, God is renewing His renewing power in this present age. I love what 2 Corinthians says in chapter 2. It says that we are the aroma of Christ as we move through this world, the people who are demonstrating God's grace. There was a time when Angie and I was out with a, a few of our f- friends who were believers as well, and we went to a restaurant, and, and we were talking just the things about when we normally talk about, most notably Jesus. We prayed before our meal, and, and, and the waitress came over, and she says, I knew you guys were believers. I could smell you. <laughs> I always thought that was one of the greatest compliments I ever had. Because God says, if we're moving through this world, we are demonstrating His grace. We are the aroma of Christ. Beautiful language. Oh, please God, continue to change us and teach us. Amen? If we move on to verse number 13, while we wait, it says, while we wait in anticipation of the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, the grace of God again. If we've experienced the revelation of God, then we have an anticipation of this coming grace that is going to take place again. Those who have experienced that revelation, we're confident and we're excited about the time when Scripture tells us Jesus is coming back. He's coming back again, and all the things that the church is, we are His bride. And He's coming back to redeem us and lift us. And it's an exciting time. Because sometime in the future, grace will reappear to all men. And so Scripture, this exciting thing, is, a, a, is constantly looking forward to another place. Philippians chapter 3 says that our citizenship is in heaven, and therefore we eagerly await the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you've experienced grace, we're able to look past this world in great anticipation and joy, knowing full well that our better days are lying ahead. Therefore, we are sustained in whatever turmoil this world happens to put us through during this particular season of our lives another old hymn that comes to mind, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. And oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. The anticipation of the return of grace, not just in my heart, not just in the Bible, but face to face, 
someday. Verse 13 and 14, 13b and 14a. If we've experienced the revelation of grace, then we can identify with grace. We understand the origination of it in my life. It wasn't something that I desired or sought out or, 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 or even uh, um, got good enough to be. But it said Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. The identification, the realization, and really often the verbalization of our understanding that apart from God's intervention into our lives, that is the undeserved favor of God, that is grace, we had absolutely no opportunity to escape the corrupt nature of our natural beings. If you know me and you've heard me speak before, then quite Probably, you've heard me point at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I constantly talk about it because it's encapsulated the entire experience. Like Paul said, these are trustworthy words. This is what happened to me. I was, I was the worst of sinners, and then out of nowhere, God's grace came into my life. And that's exactly what he writes in Ephesians chapter 2. For I was dead in my transgression and sin. You and I were dead in our transgressions and sin. And we had no opportunity that we're dead. We weren't able to self-revive ourselves. But it was the grace of God. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates His own love, grace, for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus chose to die for us. Chose to. The identification of grace is able to point at where it came from. Verse number 8 of that Ephesians chapter 2 goes like this, folks. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that anyone can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If anyone ever tells you that here is a list of God's demands that you need to accomplish in order to get to heaven, walk away from that person. Because the understanding, the identification of where our grace and our salvation came from is the cross plus nothing. When it was all said and done and Jesus says it is finished, that means for those who have found the revelation of God's grace through the cross of Jesus Christ, all of my sins, all of your sins, past, present, and future have been nailed to that cross. And our only requirement from this point forward is to hold on, to anticipate, to demonstrate, and identify that it is the cross. Verse 14 and 15. Why would God do such a thing? Why would God do such a thing? It is the proclamation of grace. He did these things to purify for himself a people, a church, that are his very own. (laughs) Who are motivated by that grace 
and who are now prepared to do good works in His name, to bring the glory to God in all that we do. Remembering back when we first started this whole series, What is the Church?, we made a great distinction, and important, I think, a mindset that is not the building down the block. Church is ecclesia in God's Word, is the, in the original language, and that means a people, people who are called out. Peter says in his writings that we are the royal priesthood. We are the church prepared by God beautifully and ready to do good works. That is the proclamation of grace. Those who have experienced specific revelation of God's grace through Jesus Christ, we know the treasure that has been freely given to us, undeserved. This grace of God has been poured into our lives and we, we, cannot, we cannot not Give that to others through a verbal proclamation of look what God has done to me. Hmm. Verse 15. Paul summarizes these things. And he says, As the church demonstrate God's grace, Anticipate that he's coming back. Identify where it came from and proclaim, and proclaim these things to a listening and a needy world. Tell them that salvation and forgiveness and the promise of eternal life has already come. For the grace of God has appeared. Man. <laughs> What beautiful words. What beautiful, beautiful words that fall from the pen of Paul, from the mouth of God. My friends, the most important question that we could possibly answer, ask ourselves is do we know the salvation to the grace of God that has been revealed through Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Are we being moved and, and down the road and, and taught by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in the lives of all believers? Do you know that? Do you know how to get there? I want to share a, a final verse with you today, and I know that we've hurried through this, and once again, I just want to encourage you to make a lifelong investment in uncovering the, the Word of God and, and apply it to your life. And maybe the greatest place to start is understanding the grace of God. Chapter 10 of Romans, beginning in verse number 8. This is the pathway, this is the door opening for the entire world. An invitation by the Creator, the one who set the stars in the sky and now knows our name, how many hairs is on our head, and for the believers in this world, our names are written on His hands, and He's forever, ever concentrating on our good. Do you know that grace, and that peace, and that ease? Listen to what the Word of God says in an encouragement to get there. 
Folks, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hear this. The word is near you. It is in your mouth, and it ends in your heart. That is the general revelation, right? We know that there is a God. We, can, we cannot deny there is a God. The specific revelation is the word of faith that we, I, all the believers, the church, are proclaiming. Hear this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will know the revelation of God through Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Folks, the Word of God is powerful and effective, and it teaches us. My prayer today is that as it taught me this week as I prepared, is that it teaches you as well. But not because I put the words in here or the right things or all the notes on my paper, but because God loves you and He desires a relationship with you. And He wants to come into your life and bestow His endless and boundless grace. May it be through His Son and the power of the Holy Spirit that your week is the best. Take care, and God bless you.